0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of you from the cheap seats. We are the Sklar brothers. Uh, we have a phenomenal show. We are on the precipice of what I think will be the most unexpected, uh, exciting NBA playoffs we've seen in a while. We don't know who's going to win. Mm-mm. We certainly, uh, I don't even know who's going to be in the finals, Jay. I can, that's I'm right. I'm sitting here right and now and we I have top I- teams. Mm-hmm. First and second t- seed teams playing potentially seven seed teams like the Lakers and the Suns are going to play each other. And I don't know who the favorite is. So the Lakers are the favorites. The first time in over 30 years that the seventh seed is the favorite over the two seed. And I don't disagree with that. I'm not sitting here saying, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with it, but I don't disagree with it. We, well, so, you what we know is that yes, it's going to be exciting. We're at the most exciting time in the NBA. Teams ratchet up their defense. The mm-hmm. games get exciting. We have the best guy to talk about it all with Matt Weiner. He's he hosts on NBA, NBA TV. He is just he runs the table. He knows how to. In my opinion, get the most out of the athletes and the other pundits on his shows. And he certainly has a fountain of knowledge, and he's going to spill it out on this thing. If you're an NBA fan, today is the show. Get for ready you. to geek out. And we go deep with his, he went to the University of Missouri in the 80s. We go deep on some 1980s University of Missouri great basketball players and it is so fun so definitely stick around for that and then later on the show special guest but first jay let's talk about something that happened in major league baseball right so you know this was sort of the talk of the week when um you know player on the white Sox, who uh he's a rookie Mm -hmm. and And by uh, the way is carrying has carried the team for a while jay this is just such a fascinating thing because this is a story that goes to the quote, unquote, unwritten rules of baseball. And it goes to even more of the core. It goes to the Tony La Russa of it all. I remember when Tony La Russa got hired as the manager for the White Sox this year. I was like, is he well enough to manage? I don't right, know. So if he's mentally. Well years enough. ago, we were like, is he well enough to manage? Certainly and he's, he's out now. of touch, which is what CC Sabathia went on a just a profanity laced on a podcast, just ripping into Larusa, saying, Old oh man, you are out of touch. Explain what happened, Jay. So, your mean Mercedes uh, is batting late in the game. He, by the, White- the way, he is the BMW of hitters. He is, Mercedes. Uh-huh. Uh, the White Sox are up 15 to four. So, the game is way out of reach. And yeah. And they're pitching, and, he, and he's hitting against a position player who's pitching about 47 miles an hour. Just lobbing up huge softballs. Meatballs. And the the count is 3-0, and oh, and he knows he's going to get a lob right down the middle, and he just crushes it, it. Crushes bombs it. Bombs it to center field and hits a home run. And LaRusso's reaction to it, you know, the game's out of reach, and who cares? LaRusso's La reaction is, you're not respecting the game to your mean Mercedes, his own player. And he says, you're not respecting the other team. You don't respect baseball. He goes By the way, off didn't the just game. say this to him in the clubhouse, said this to the media, to the media. He goes off on the guy on the rookie. He said he doesn't understand the game of baseball. And we are, my question, he got a ton of blowback from other players. Other players tweeted out at your mean Mercedes and said, Hey man, you keep doing what you're doing. That's yeah. do games not over. Yeah. This is this isn't a, a charity softball game. I would this, say they're not respecting it by putting a position player into pitch at 15-4. Yeah. Put in your pitch your pitchers. Work your pitchers in. What who cares? Or leave a guy in forever. Like the you need the fact that you're you have a guy in a professional game throwing 47 mile an hour. You don't respect the game. Right. So this guy's not doing anything wrong. Okay, three and oh, maybe the optics aren't great on that, that he's swinging on three and oh, but wh- why shouldn't he swing? You're in a game. Like, you know, you're going by old. The only analogy I can use is you're going by old boxing rules where you take a couple punches and a guy goes down and then you back off. But we're in an MMA world now, the world is different. You knock a guy down and you keep punching until the referee says, uh uh-uh, uh, this is over. I and, also think it's like it's bad for baseball if you just let a guy just literally continually throw forty mile an hour pitches like he's in a beer league softball championship, and you just allow that to happen. To and me, just that take is- pitches. So, so it, let's think about it as an entertainment, as a form of entertainment, just purely on the basis of entertainment. The fans are at the game, and. You want to see a home run. You want to see something special. That's sure. why you go to the game. I went to my first baseball game in over a year and a half or two years almost. I went to my first baseball game and yeah, even though the Cardinals lost, I got to see a home run. That was exciting. I like it. Right I'm to say pitch, this. Pitching, pitching is, is dominating. dominating. There are, there have been six no hitters. You may see a pitcher throw two no-hitters in the same season for the first time since 1952. Only two players have ever done that in the history of the game, and you might see it. The most no-hitters ever in a season in Major League Baseball was seven. We have gone through, I don't know, 30, how many, 40 games, whatever, and we've now – We were at six. We're at six. And it's not by guys who are like dominating pitchers of their generations. It's not like the Randy Johnsons of our generations who are throwing these or the Kurt Schillings or even the Mac, uh, uh, Chris Carpenters. Like these are just regular pitchers, journeyman pitchers, don't even have winning records for their careers who are throwing. No hitters, which by the way is fine, but it's going to lose importance. It used to be a very, a one hitter, a no hitter, those things. So we're now in a, in where this you know, Tim Kirchner wrote a huge piece about how the strikeout is ruining baseball. So why not let this guy swing? Why not give the excitement? A home run is very exciting. So like for, to me, if you're Tony La Russa, he handled this poorly, which again goes back to why I don't think he should be the manager of the white Sox, which is one of the best teams, best young teams in all of baseball right now. They're a team on the rise. So I don't think he should be the manager it's, because what he should have done is taken him into the dugout and afterwards or in the clubhouse said, hey man, in the future, let's try and respect this in certain ways or say nothing about it because you want your team to win and this is the way you do it. No one right. is ever going to think because this kid hit a home run that Tony Russo, you're not taking care of your stuff. Tell him you took care of it and then just be like, whatever. I mean, look, if the other manager came out and and said, Hey, I don't like that. That's not cool. What well, do you got to say about little it? Little then then you got to step up and you got to respond to it. You have to say a couple things, but you know what? You just say, "Hey, we're out here to win. We're out here to win. We play until the game's don't, over." Don't don't put a possession because the problem was that don't put a position player in because there. because the pay. problem was the next night uh, an actual an actual pitcher threw behind Mercedes and almost right. hit him. Right. And to me, that is the BS of it all: is that you're retaliating for what he did against your position player, and it was made worse by what Tony Larusa said because it's it almost basically justified justified gave the green light for a pitcher to throw behind your rookie, and that's your rookie. You don't want him getting injured. All right, that is our top take of the day. Uh, when we come back, Matt Weiner, we get deep into uh, the playoff picture, how he feels about this sort of play in round Robin tournament for the seven, eight, nine, and 10 seeds, which were, because he's got now. mixed feelings and then he's got strong feelings. Uh, he, he's loving it. So, yeah, uh, so I'm very excited. Matt Weiner's with us from NBA TV. We'll be right back. It's like, it's weighing on oh my heart be heavy and Guys, with the bustling holiday season well underway, ready to eat meal delivery can lend a helping hand. And our good buddies at Factor, they got it. They shop, they prep, they cook, they deliver to your door so you can enjoy chef crafted, dietitian approved meals during the holidays. How good does that sound? Minus the hassle, that sounds even better. Plus, you know, you got 34 meals per week. Gourmet Plus, Keto, which I've been doing and I love, Calorie Smart Vegan plus Veggie, and 36-plus weekly add-ons. You'll have plenty of nutritious, flavorful options to choose from. My mouth is watering. I can't even do this ad. Our holidays, look, they're jam-packed. I know yours are, too. Everyone's looking down the barrel of, like, so much busy time. If you got two minutes, you get the factor meals. They're super easy to prepare, and all of a sudden you're having, like, a restaurant-quality meal in your own home. It's cheaper than going out. As we mentioned, 34 meals per week, 36-plus at add- add-on options. It's amazing. It's cheaper than dining out. Take that money that you save from, from not going out and spending money at a restaurant and spend it on the holidays, on gifts and stuff. Special occasion meal, gourmet plus, perfect solution. If you're looking for that upscale, their options are done easy. It's amazing. Look, here's what you do. Head to go.factor75.com slash SCLAR60. Use the code SCLAR60 to get 60% off your first box. That's code SCLAR60. At go.factor75.com slash Sklar60 to get 60% off your first box. I'm telling you, this Factor thing is amazing. You'll be amazed at how much time and money you save. And we all need that as we roll into the holidays. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the show. Uh, I think... We do this podcast as just an excuse to talk to brilliant and wonderful people uh, that we love, like this gentleman. He is our guest. We watch him on TV. We love his insights. We love his approach to the I love the way he runs a roundtable of people. He just he runs it. You can run a roundtable. His name's Matt Weiner. Thanks for joining (laughs) us, man. How are you? I'd love to have a round table to run around. You do it. You run the round table with, I'll say this, with ease. And it's like, to to me, the best people who do the best job. I watched Steph Curry play last night and I said to myself, he does it effortlessly i mean yes. he dribbles through people and he does that same thing matt weiner you run a discussion very it's effortless and you know you get out of the way you inject when you need to it's just it's perfect it's like a, you have to be a point guard at the table am i right well you know what i was once a terrible point guard so that was
1: really <laughs> that was really practice for what i'm doing now i love that there's a universe in which i'm compared to steph curry at, at anything really
0: right, right? i mean, I mean it's great can that's we, great Let's start with him right now because he did the impossible, which was make you actually like the warriors again, because there was a (laughs) five-year period where we're like, Oh my God, are you these guys again? Where they became the death star. They were the death Death star. So they were the death star. How do you
1: hate the warriors? How do you hate Steph Curry and the warriors? So I I... didn't
0: hate Steph Curry and the warriors, but here was the pervading attitude. I think as we were going into season, certainly once they got Durant, you're like, all right, so they're going to be there. And then yeah. who's on the other side? Someone who won't measure up. All right. So no, now we no, know. Which the team. Right. Which, which LeBron, LeBron team. team. That's LeBron right. and like three guys, a shirtless uh JR Smith. JR Smith. And then, yep. you know, like you're just like, who is LeBron gonna try and limp to the finals with and then not really have a chance? That's why when LeBron won that that finals you know, you said to yourself, okay, this is exciting. This is not what I expected to happen against yeah. the Warriors and why I think that was probably one of the best finals ever. Um, right. You're shaking your head.
1: <laughs> well, no, I, I get some of the, the fatigue on both sides really, but it's, it's not a Steph Curry thing, obviously. No, and I don't no. think it's a Warriors thing, but to your point, I think it's great that going into these playoffs we can't say with any certainty who's going to be in the finals, because frankly, there were about five or six years in a row where I had a pretty good idea who was going to be in the finals in October. right? Uh, and then it was a matter of, of, you know, which which team comes out of that. But you knew LeBron was going to be there for the eight or nine straight years, whatever it wound up being that he, he made it. And then when the Warriors got great and, and you can't fault them for being great, you got to you admire can't. it. I mean, they were <laughs> unbelievable but yep. you also knew what was going to happen barring an injury at, at the end of the season.
0: Well, here's how unbelievable they were. <clears throat> they won one championship without uh, Kevin Durant. And you say to yourself, so you can never have that discussion. Well, without Durant, they're not, what right. they did, they won. Yep. And you're seeing how unbelievable Steph Curry is now. I mean, what he did this season, It. I don't certainly think the end, end the, certainly end of- the end of this season, certainly the end of the season, but I would say the entire season winning the scoring title just the 40 point games, how, how much fun he was having. Like he brought so much and he continues to bring so much fun to the game. Even his post game press conference last night, when he talks about LeBron beating him, he, to me was, ha- he was having fun with it. He kind of just had to shrug and be like, look, man, I've seen but that is, is he doing that because he's yeah. playing with house money at this point? Like I think it's no his pressure. personality as
1: much as anything, but I think there's something to that. He's a made man. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's he's got the credentials. He's, yeah. He could walk away today and he's a Hall of Famer and he's an all-time great at his position. He's, you know, widely regarded as the greatest shooter who's ever walked the earth. Um, he's all, got all that already on the resume. So I think there's something to that. But, you know, even last week when uh, he was asked about the possibility of this 7-8 game playing out with the Warriors and the Lakers, and his answer was just a series of shrugs and smirks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was that was fantastic. So, he's,
0: yeah, he's become wildly entertaining on and off the court. I mean, there were some plays he's sitting on the bench and there were some plays LeBron made. And he's just like he's clapping, he's being like, like, yep, on the it. sideline going, look, I don't know what to do. What can he, I do? Yeah, this guy's amazing. Yeah. And let summed
1: up that game, too, because at the end, you know, the, the Lakers had that grease fire offensive possession at the end of the game. And then mm-hmm. LeBron hits a fadeaway 34 footer It's the longest shot he's hit all season long. Yeah. What, gonna, yeah. what are you gonna do? The Warriors played great defense most of the night. What are you gonna do? I mean, the crazy thing is a like player. that's and he a hit, it over, shot. He that hit it, it over Steph. He hit it over
0: Steph. That's yep. a Steph shot. Uh amazing. I'm gonna say this, and I'm sure there are basketball purists. Who remember the old days? Remember the old days? I'm talking about last year when it was just the top eight teams playing, and that's it. Like I personally think this little round robin for the playing thing is fascinating and exciting, and I love the way that it's set up. I mean, you have to in sports be open to new possibilities of getting different evolving. markets. It's e- right? It's, it's an evolution. I think this this nine ten you know, double elimination, 7-8 double elimination. This is fascinating. So now we get to watch another just fantastic game between the Warriors and a Memphis Grizzlies team that, in my opinion, cannot be discounted. Uh, and John Morant is like one of my favorite players in the league right now. I just love how many teams have players that are superstars right now.
1: I, I'm torn on it, um, and, and I'm going to tap into my inner crotchety, get off my lawn guy with this, okay. but I do have – philosophically I have a little bit of a problem with telling a team that had the seventh best record in its conference, you got to win another one. Mm -hmm. You're not there yet. You got to keep going. You got to win another one. That bothers me a little bit because it really does cheapen the regular season Uh, in a league where people frankly complain that the regular season doesn't mean much anyway. Mm -hmm. um, You've cheapened it a little more than that. Having said that, I have an issue with it right up until tip-off. And then it's great because yeah. you've got all these one game setups where it's either do or die for the 9-10 teams or do or you got to play at least one more for the 7-8 guys. So the drama is built in and the fact that we wound up with the Warriors-Lakers somehow yeah. um, in the Amazing. 7-8 game in the West, I mean, the league doing backflips. So, yeah.
0: so the Lakers are now 7 and they go in as a favorite? Potentially yeah. again, like when was the last? I think it's been over thirty years since we've seen that. Where seven seed, because typically basketball more than hockey. You know, hockey you can have like the the LA Kings of two thousand and ten, and Jonathan Quick is standing on his head and an eight seed. If you get a hot goalie. Can yeah. carry you to the Stanley. We just like, we all see- remember the one time when the Warriors with Baron Davis beat the Mavericks as an eight to a yep. one. Like that's I Remember like- that
1: Nuggets team way back when that won as an eight seed. Yeah, they're yeah.
0: they're. You like remember them because
1: it doesn't happen very often. Well. We can, right. you you can count it on them hand. one hand.
0: Yeah. So the but so that is exciting to me the notion because you know let's face it you know when when healthy. LeBron and Anthony Davis, like you can't game plan for both of those guys. You can game plan for one guy, then the other guy yeah. is going to torch you. So it's just, what are you, what are you looking for in that series?
1: Well, first of all, I think to myself, congratulations, Phoenix. It's been 11 years since you made the playoffs mm-hmm. and you get the defending world champs because of circumstances in the first yeah. round, despite having earned the second seat in the West, this is what you get. Mm-hmm. Um, my, con- my concern for Phoenix all season long was that they were sort of a um, Minnesota Twins type playoff team in that right. they were a great regular season team, lacked an ace, really, um, mm-hmm. and, and might not be great in the postseason. We'll see. They've done everything right. Um, I will say this, and I, I pay attention to this. There's a, a period of the game called clutch time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, this is an actual stat with yeah. NBA.com and other places. Final five minutes of the game, score within five points. And I really do pay attention to how teams do in those circumstances. Phoenix had the second best clutch record in the league this year wow, in terms of win percentage. Same thing um, with Oklahoma City last year when Chris Paul was there. What is the the
0: common denominator there? Right.
1: Well, and that's why he's on mine and I suspect a lot of other MVP voters ballots this year. He's not going to win, but he's going to wind up on ballots despite the fact that he doesn't have incredible counting numbers. Right. Um, So they do a lot of things. Well, they're they're good on both ends of the floor. They they shoot well. They execute well. They defend pretty well. They don't do anything great. Right. Um, The Lakers do. The Lakers are are a great defensive team. They're kind of a wonky offensive team, but it's made up for by the two stars you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just hard for me to imagine Phoenix taking them out in a seven game series. Maybe because of the relatively short turnaround and the natural letdown, maybe they can get out to a one-o lead. Maybe they can get a two-o lead.
0: lead. right. You never know. You never right. know. But it's hard for me to see the Lakers lose in that series. Well, it's interesting because I also think that with you know, not full stadiums and full arenas, home court advantage means a little bit less. We're not talking about sure. the Jerry Sloan Utah teams of the nineties where you go into that building and you just expect to lose because of the atmosphere. So it's right. like that seems to have a little, the seating has a little less bearing as we, you know, go into it this year than it had before in terms of what you're going to get on home court. So that, I think that's going to change. I have not heard a ton about Utah. I mean, Utah kind of ran away with it and you're just saying to yourself, I don't know. I don't know if they fall into a little bit of that same category. I think they have more than Phoenix, but They're a deeper, they feel like a deeper team. They're a deeper team. They were built for success. I always thought they were like the mirror counterpart to uh, like Indiana and then Indiana kind of fell apart, but like as far as the way they were built, but they really had a great season. I mean, it started when Shaq challenged, uh, you know, made, made the challenge on air, which I thought, okay. Donovan Mitchell, when he wasn't ready for it and he was like, uh, yeah. Why are we doing this right now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, yeah,
1: they're. I mean, they are sort of a system team, and that's not a knock. Uh, they they have a very defined style. They move the ball really well. They surround the floor with shooters. They've got a bunch of guys who can shoot. They they shot as a team, around forty percent from three. I don't know what their final number was. That used to be considered the threshold for an elite three point shooter. Right. They did that as a team
0: this year. The yep. Clippers wow. were kind
1: of in that same category. Yeah. Um. So they do that really well. You know, Gobert is a, a He's just a menace defensively, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, not only, well, mostly in the paint, but he's gotten better away from the paint. It used to be that you'd try to get him out and pick and roll and other, other uh, vehicles offensively to get him away from the rim. Right. And he's still more vulnerable out there, but he's worked on that and gotten better out there, but you know, they're, they're formidable. Um, Would I pick them to win the West? Probably not because the way I look at it is you go to top end talent and, When you look at the top end talent in the West, you think Lakers, you think LA Clippers, first and foremost. Um, Utah's top two players are really good. Really good. Are they LeBron and Anthony Davis good? Are they Kawhi and Paul George good? That's yet to be proven. You know, maybe so. Um, Mitchell's got to be healthy, obviously, to finish games for them because that's, you guys know, so many playoff games come down to that last possession or two. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he is one of the few guys you know, aside from Jordan Clarkson, who can really create for himself and hit some crazy, well-defensed yeah. shot at the end of a game.
0: So is this, to me, I don't know why I'm feeling this way, but that that the Nuggets might have a chance for the kind of the C's to part a little bit. And I, I, I like that Nuggets team. Like there's just a, you know, Jokic is just, he's just such a fascinating uh, player, I, I look at guys in college right now, and I and I, if I'm a big man that isn't super athletic, that that doesn't, I would say model your game after that guy. Do all the other things well. Pass if you can. Work on your shot so that you're you need to be defended feet from the basket. Come up, up with a shot that like everyone on the court will say to you, to your defender, what guard this guy, guard him, and everyone's like, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. am guarding him. I'm I trying. Am. <laughs> right, well, but I mean, what do you think of the Nuggets? Well,
1: uh, on Jokic, first of all, you got to grow to be six or seven feet. Sure, so sure. Th- that that helps. Yeah, um, I t- I tried. I mean, I
0: tried hard. <laughs> we all did. We I all really
1: did. tried hard. We all my, did. My dad was six four, and I always thought the growth spurt was coming, and I you topped could out keep at going. five eleven. <laughs> um, my my brother, yes. my brother plays saxophone in St. Louis for a living, and he's yeah. six three. Six, uh, that th- doesn't that doesn't it's seem that's not that fair. fair you don't need to be six three for the sacks. No, <laughs> yeah. no, exactly right. He could have not only you know He's been 5'8 five three. eight and given me all that, and that's I could right. have been six that's six right. or something, and that would have been, been amazing. Come that would have been
0: equitable, right? Come on, God.
1: Um, so be seven feet. That's that's first of all, but the other stuff in terms of Jokic, you, there's a lot of it you just can't practice because so much of it is innate. His feel for the game is just completely off the charts. Yeah, his touch. His hands, mm-hmm. um, the way he sees the geometry of things, the angles, that sort of thing is is just mind-blowing. There's just nobody it, like him. And, and there are very few players about whom you can say they are unique in the NBA, mm-hmm. and I don't use that word lightly. Mano Ginobili was one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Zion is one of those guys right now, and Nikola yeah. Jokic is absolutely one of those guys.
0: He, he so is. And I actually, the first NBA game I got to go see since the pandemic was Clippers Nuggets. And I watched him for, you know, when you're in the arena and you're watching, you know, you're not just getting what the ca- camera angles are giving you from TV and you can just zero in on a guy for a while. He just always knew where to be for the rebound, for the pass, like even his ability to do like handoff passes, and Mm -hmm. use his body to, you know, handoff pass, set the pick, and give the guy an open shot. Like, yes, he scores 30, 38, 37 points or whatever he's scoring in a game, but he's also responsible for, like, another 40 points.
1: Right. Well, they run the offense through him. I mean, everything runs through him, particularly since Jamal Murray went out. Um, So, you know, his feel for the game, again, there's just no replicating that. And there, there are lots of, as you pointed out, he's not the most athletic guy in the world. Uh, He struggles defensively sometimes, um, but he makes up for that with his, his IQ and with his touch and with his hands. And, you know, you just can't find that you can't, you can't teach it. There's so many guys who have great physical talent and can play in the NBA because either they can shoot or they're crazy explosive or fast. They just have great size. Um, But you can't, Teach them to understand the game that way. You, you can work on footwork. You can work on a lot of stuff. You can't teach the field.
0: It's why I love the NBA because a guy like Jokic can be just dangerous. Why is he dangerous? Because he makes the he's just so knowledgeable. He makes the pass in the same way. It, it, he's dangerous, like the Greek Freak is dangerous, but he's dangerous in a completely different way. That the NBA, yeah, one eight. So the NBA can be a league that can have all of those things, and and it's just styles. Again, it's the way I think of like Joel Embiid as somewhat Jokic esque, and now he's a little more athletic and whatnot, but like he's been so banged up through his career, I feel like he's also one of those guys who, if you need a rebound, he's going to get you that rebound. He's if you gonna, need a three, he'll get you a 3 you a three. He's an unbelievable yeah. passer. He's like, and he is that kind of trash talker that you'd love to have on your side, who kind of gives you confidence. I'm excited to see Philadelphia make a deep run. And I really hope they do because that's a guy I'd like to see in the NBA finals. That's the type of guy I'd love to see on that stage.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I, it, I'm torn on Philly because I'm still skeptical. I'm, I feel like I, I was sort of burned by 76ers teams. Not that I have a dog in the fight either way, but right, right. because they, their execution at the end of games in playoffs past has been less than ideal. Right. Um, going back to that clutch number I talked about, mm-hmm. 76ers had the best clutch win percentage in the NBA this year, and that's a great sign. And if whether that's Doc Rivers or the fact that Daryl Morey has come in there and used his philosophy to surround Embiid and, and Ben Simmons with all these three-point shooters now and faces right. out the court in a way that works better for them. Um, whatever it is, I'm interested to see how that plays out in the playoffs. Embiid was fantastic this year. There there are still moments, as great as he is, there are still moments to me where he loses focus mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the game. He doesn't always make great decisions. Mm-hmm. He'll take, weird mid-range jump shots yeah. when he could dominate near the rim i don't understand mm-hmm. that i mm-hmm. you know i've given up the fight on the three-point shot because his percentage has gone up i'm okay with him taking a handful of game but if i'm defending him if i'm on the other side i'm okay with him taking those I shots push him out the percentages push are okay but that that takes away their advantage right like he's in a, i don't know if you've ever seen him beat up close He's an enormous human being with incredible seven,
0: football. two. Is he seven, seven, one, I think
1: easily seven. seven, one. And he's just like a doorway walking it. He's just right. a massive human. He's in better shape this year. You can see that when he's yeah. been on the floor. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever doc said to him has made him a different player. I I still think he's got a couple of steps to go. Um, but with that being said, he's probably going to finish second in the MVP vote. I mean, that's how much talent that guy
0: has. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable. I, it's okay. So now, as we sort of we kind of uh, sort of transitioning to the east. Uh, what do you? Because I actually think this final playing game, the the Wizards playing game, is go, is a fascinating game to watch as well. I mean, obviously, this is gonna, this podcast is going to drop after the result happens, but. You know, when I think of Russell Westbrook, he kind of just needed a team for everybody to just clear out and let him do what he does. I mean, what he did this year is fascinating and unbelievable in a record that we never thought would ever be broken. How about if
1: I just predict both teams will win? Okay. And then you can cut out the one that doesn't Sounds work. Well, I'll, I'll, we'll
0: do that. You know, Happy yeah, I'll to say do that. that. Happy to do that.
1: <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a fascinating game for a lot of reasons. First of all, these two teams – are two of the four fastest paced teams in the nba yep. and if you look at the scores between them in the three games they played they're all played in the 130s and up i mean um, the had last, 144. In the, the last, last
0: game.
1: game the last game they played against each other final score 154 141.
0: This so is... that's
1: that's how they both like to play and it'll be interesting to me to see in a in a play-in one game playoff situation typically that would slow down. Mm-hmm. I don't expect it to be in the 150s, but it is interesting to me to see how the two will play if one decides they want to slow it down a little bit or not. Mm-hmm. Indiana didn't against Charlotte obviously and the no. Hornets were basically a an inexplicable no-show defensively. Right. Um So Indiana got whatever they wanted anyway, but the Pacers want to play fast. The Wizards want to play fast. I'm wondering now because of Beal's hamstring and whatever happened with Russ who, you know, typically in typical Russ fashion, wouldn't really reveal anything or or answer any questions after the game. (laughs) But whatever happened to him at the end of the game, I'm curious if they can play at that breakneck speed.
0: Yeah. Well, and also you looked at how the Wizards played the Celtics and they, they really shot poorly. I mean, that was like, that was unusually bad for them, even for them, you know, and, and it was like, when you're one, you look up a midway through, I think the first half or even into the second half, and they're like three for 16 from three, three of
1: 21 from three, three of, finished. Yeah,
0: Three of 21 for three They finished. And they were one for 11 at one point in that game. And you're just like, that's not they don't do that. Even on a like bad day, they 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 knock in a few more threes. Let's say three more, and they were down by like, you know, they kept. There was a point when the game was at sixteen points. Then they got it down to eight points, and you're like, they're within striking distance in the third quarter. If they only would have hit two more threes or three more threes, I mean, and that's yeah. still not a great three point shooting percentage. So you have to think on some level they're they're not going to come out. They I can't imagine they will come out and lay that kind of egg again. I just can't. I don't see it. Well, you have to assume they'll
1: revert to the mean in terms of three-point shooting. And they're not a great three-point shooting team. They're bottom third in the league, but they're not that. They're not three of 21. No. no, And and Davis Bertans is a real weapon. I mean, their offense changed in like January because of a couple of things. Westbrook got healthy and Bertans started to shoot the ball again. Yeah, because uh, he was bad in November and uh, or not November. <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking of seasons past. Yes, he was yes. bad in December, December and January. Right. And then then it, his percentage picked up to his normal numbers because he completely changes their offense. He He to me is maybe personifies the modern NBA game as well as any, any NBA player. He's a 6'10 guy mm-hmm. who takes about 90% of his shots from outside the three-point line. Right. Um, and it's because he's really good at it. So you don't expect him to go, I don't have the box, but expect him to go one of five or one of six or whatever he wound up being in that game. Um,
0: and they weren't know, all contested. They were, It wasn't no, like no, they were no. like insanely contested shots. They were just missing shots.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And they're not the most efficient offense in the world. They score a lot because they play really fast um, because, you know, Beal can create his own shot. He's a great mid-range threat. And because Russ is a force unto himself.
0: Um, That's easy. amazing. It's He's in what's great for him and why I think he broke Oscar Robertson's record this year is that he is playing an offense that is so fast. There are so many opportunities for assists, for buckets, for, you know, rebounds again, because they're not a great shooting team. It's like, you need all these factors together. If you're not a great shooting team or the best shooting team, you got more chances for rebounds. If, if you're not, you play you know, fast, you, play fast yeah. you got a lot more chances for assists. The, the game is more wide open. This is the perfect system for him to sort of play the way that he plays and, and get the most out of this guy. He's it's interesting because he's kind of like, in, in some ways, like a Ben Simmons, a shorter Ben Simmons, not a great yeah. shot, not a tremendous shot. He's done have a terrible shot, but he's not known yeah. for his shot can do right. everything else. Great. But you know, an Except for a shooting. Except for although it. he was like eight for eight or nine for nine from the line. I mean, he shot really well in the game when it, when the, when the money was on the table. Yeah, the tri- the
1: triple-double thing is is really interesting. Teams don't play as fast as they did in Oscar Robertson's day. I mean, they they played a gazillion possessions a game in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. They are playing faster now than they were 10-15 years ago. And because the game is so spread out, there are more rebounding opportunities for guards to get in there. It used to be that because the paint was packed full of giant humans, um, you know, those guys typically got all the rebounds. And a good rebounding guard, you know, might average four or five mm-hmm. um, now because you've got a bunch of you, a lot of the forwards are out on the three point line, it's just completely changed who can get in there and a good rebounding guard like Russ can can crash and and wind up with those double digit rebounding games. It's amazing.
0: Uh, are you excited? Is is the basketball world excited that the Knicks are somewhat back? Are you surprised at how back they are? I mean, to me, it's always great if basket if Madison Square Garden has basketball. I remember talking to Blake Griffin on our podcast a while back when he was when LeBron was deciding where he was going to go, and he said, "Don't discount the Knicks." We we're like the Knicks. He said. <laughs> He said, I'm magic. T- he said there's magic in the garden when you walk Something into that about building. Playing yeah. in that building that all, and to me, he's like, all the players feel this way. I can't describe to you. Anytime you walk in that building and play, it's different. It's different than playing in Charlotte. It's different than playing in new Orleans. It's just different. And so the fact that there is excitement, a Julius Randall, you know, that there, I mean, we remember watching Julius Randall on the Lakers and I'm like, he's a, he's a talented player, but he's just not putting it together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, I would have been shocked had LeBron gone to the Knicks two years yeah. ago, but things have changed. They've changed the perception of what it is to play for the Knicks. Now yep. the thing about the garden is true. That's, that's universally accepted around the league. Players all say the same thing. It's a different buzz. The lighting's different. It's, you yeah. know, it's just, it's New York. It's cool. It's cool. Um, but remember, you know, when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving had decisions to make, They didn't go play for the Knicks. They wouldn't play for the Brooklyn Nets. And the reason for that is the Nets had shown competence. Mm -hmm. The Nets had shown that they could play a particular style, that they knew what they were doing. And for a stretch of, gosh, almost a decade, the Knicks hadn't. They'd shown that they could screw it up any possible way they could by overpaying aging players, by drafting poorly, by making knee-jerk coaching and personnel moves. And that seems to have stopped. So what's interesting, and I'll get to this year's Knicks in a moment, but what's interesting moving forward is what this season means to who the Knicks may acquire Mm -hmm. uh, down the line and who's going to want to play there. Who's going to want to force a trade now to play under Tom Thibodeau with the Knicks, with Leon Rose, um, you know, who has all kinds of connections around the league as a former agent. Who's going to want to play with Julius Randle now that he's he's an all-star. That right. he's could be an all NBA player when when those votes are tallied. Um, that's all really interesting. They've changed the perception of the Knicks around the NBA. And that's bigger than anything they'll do in the postseason. But as for this year's team, mm-hmm. I'm I'm shocked that they're where they are. Yeah. Um, from from where they came from. And it it really is a testament to what a committed head coach with a mm-hmm. defined style can yes. do for a team. That's now. Him. They may hate Tibbs in two years. Sure. Because, you know, he plays he a lot of minutes. People out. Yeah. Lewis led the league in minutes this year. Um, they, you know, he's going to bark out offensive play calls, although he's gotten better about that. He, he's given them more flexibility offensively. I think that's how he's grown as a coach. Mm-hmm. But if you're not defending, you're not going to be on the floor for him. That's and you've right. seen that in all their defensive numbers. You've seen that at possession to possession. Mm-hmm. Uh, he He demands that from his players. And, and to me, I've never been a coach. It doesn't seem that hard. If you don't play defense for me, guess what? You're not going to play. I'm going to find somebody else who can. And
0: also look at look at how what what a novel idea that is. Like how you can literally move up in the ranks if you if you lock it down like you're in the fourth quarter. And it's not game. like the it's not like the Knicks for years were the 1980s Showtime Lakers. They were no. literally they had the bedrock of defense. Charles Oakley just clotheslining people. Anthony Mason. You think of yeah even like Pat Spree Ewing. and Larry Johnson and Pat Ewing. I mean Starks. These guys were deep. They were defense first. A lot of these guys. So and they they made their bones in the late 90s as as defensive teams. So the, those I, 90s Knicks teams almost ruined the league. I mean it, it got yeah. so ugly.
1: Because between the Knicks and the Miami Heat and other teams that that had to play like that, it was difficult to watch at times. Yeah. Games, playoff games are being played in the 80s. I mean, I I would like I actually would like a little more balance now. I'd like to dial it back down and give defenses a little bit of a chance with rules yeah. and interpretations. But that was ridiculous. And I you know I work with Greg Anthony a lot. Yeah. I talked to him about this, and he was like. Oh, I didn't, I didn't want to play that way. We didn't want to play that way, but that's the way we had to play. And that's the way Pat Riley saw it. And with good reason, he read the league and said, this is what we've got to do.
0: Muck it up. And it's so funny because Pat and Riley, they've got further than you thought they would with the talent that they had. Because, absolutely. Which is absolutely. what they're doing right now, which is amazing. I mean, I have one more question before we, before we yeah, head to it. to a break and and then we'll do some crickets with you. I want to know your thoughts on how far you think the Clippers can go because you know, not just because they're our team, but because we've been following them for years. And I think people thought they would do better last year than, than they did. You know, they certainly have a lot of pieces. I don't think they're a complete team. And I think it all depends on whether Paul George shows up or not.
1: The the short answer. I don't know. Um, I find them perplexing. Um, I think they have one of the best rosters in the West. I think there are a lot of parts, a lot of things to like about the way they're constructed. Starting with the two big stars, obviously. Yeah. Zubots has been great this year. Amazing. Um, Ibaka has been a good contributor. Uh, Nicholas Batum does a lot of things for them. People forget how good a player he was back in his Portland days. Oh yeah. He got that gigantic contract in Charlotte and and underperformed. I would say. Yeah. Um, they may have misread what he was also, he's a complimentary player, but he's very handy at this stage in his career, really handy guy to have on the floor. Mm-hmm. And then you think about guys like, you know, Reggie Jackson and Luke Kennard yeah. and DeMarcus Cousins in limited minutes. I mean, uh, Marcus Morris, they've all been starters with decent teams around the league. And then you've got playoff Rondo. I, I, a friend of mine, uh, an ESPN friend of mine texted me when they, when they picked up Rondo and said, what are they doing? Like, and, and I thought, and I thought to myself, Okay, you, you're you're thinking of Atlanta Rondo, uh, yeah. which is fairly unmotivated, frankly. Um, I think he's the jerk they need in the room. Right. Because yes. too often the Clippers have come off as passive, right? Mm-hmm. Kawhi's a quiet guy. Paul George, quiet guy. Great players. But they're not necessarily guys who are going to get in your face and tell you you need to do this. Rondo will do that. He does not care. I mean – Rondo, remember Rondo was a Dallas Maverick? You may yeah. not remember this because I they do. sent him away. <laughs> they told him to go away because he and Rick Carlisle, who, who still raves about him and his intellect and his IQ, they just couldn't get along. Right. Um, because right. he's that strong-willed. I think the Clippers need some of that. And I think that's. He's, he's a champion, exact, though. He's a champion he's, and has he's done got, it
0: multiple times. You, know? well, you, you got got don't the credentials. have credentials? Yeah, you don't have that personality necessarily in your coach. You don't have that in your no. face. Like, I'm going to tell you it's my way or the highway guy. And you need that guy to be somewhere in that organization.
1: Yeah. Now, Kawhi Leonard said this week, he said, it's all between the ears for us. And I think that's, I think he hit the nail on the head because they've got all kinds of talent. Um, But we saw it last year. And I know the bubble make, made for di- different circumstances. Sure. But it felt like they quit. Yeah. I don't know how else to put it. And, and other people who observed them felt
0: the same thing, like they gave up. And that's, boy, that's. It's hard that. to wrap your brain around <laughs> in a playoff series. Yeah. Especially because Kawhi has been to the mountaintop before. You know, it's like you say to yourself, yep, this guy that's knows the guy who, who doesn't quit. That's the I, guy who rattles the shot in, you know, from mm-hmm. the corner. That's the guy that buries a team in game seven. Like that's, and you're he's like, hit, wait, wait, he's hit those wait. shots to win series. And so you say to yourself, all right. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. Matt Weiner's with us. we got some quick hits. This is fascinating. We could talk to him all day. We're in the midst of NBA playoffs. We're so happy he's here. This is View from the Cheap Seats. Don't go anywhere all right guys welcome back to the show matt weiner is with us you can watch him as we do on nba tv matt tell him when you're gonna be on this weekend and whatnot and or oh, next you expect week me and whatnot. to know my schedule oh i don't oh, know he'll just be on man i'm watching. gonna be on friday night i know that Okay. Friday night. This show drops on Friday. Watch Matt Weiner for all of your uh, NBA basketball sort of wrap up coverage and and just all this great analysis. You get it on the show. He is, like we said, so smooth, so good. And we love him on NBA TV. Uh, we have some quick hits. So let's jump into them. Shall we, Jay? Quick hits. All right, so, quick hits. so let's get into this. Uh, we all know how hard it is to make professional teams, professional sports teams, to get your crack at it. Uh, but it's even harder when you get scammed a little bit. And I don't know if you saw this, but Gentarius Bryant of Austin P thought he was heading to Georgia this weekend to try out for the Falcons during wow. a rookie mini camp. When he arrived in Flowery Branch, do you know this? <laughs> I don't he know. He learned this. that he'd been victim of a hoax. Uh, why are wow. you hoaxing this guy? He's, what the who's, hell? Who's hoaxing him? He got hoaxed, right, Rand? Yeah. He did, someone you know, said uh, he, I, he. He said, I, "This is what he wrote. It's been a rough few days, but I felt I needed to clear the air to get this off my chest. Chest, honestly, ready to move on from this situation." He. Someone told him to come to this place and try out for the team, but it wasn't the God. Falcons. Oh, that's brutal. You got. You got to chase that. This is. Now you got to chase down every lead. You got to really ask, and you got to ask over and over again. Because if you're playing in Austin P, and by the way, there are a lot of players in the NFL right now that come from colleges that non-power five colleges. Sure. So we know, although, I, can I be honest? I didn't know Austin P had a football team. Okay, there you go. They got a great basketball team that occasionally had a basketball makes, program yeah, that yes. occasionally makes the tournament and maybe makes a little bit of noise. Usually a 16 seed that goes out in the first round, but they usually win. Like Austin P is fantastic when it's tournament week and they win their conference tournament. But he literally said this is heartbreaking, and I can. T- it is. That is heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Yeah. heartbreaking. That's who, that's just that's cruel. By the way,
1: do you guys remember the Austin P's most famous basketball player? Uh, who is it? No, who Five. Is it? Fly Williams. Fly, fly Williams. Williams. And oh, and I they used you. to chant. This is true. They used to chant the fly is open. Let's go pee. Uh-
0: <laughs> that's perfect. The fly is uh, open. That's Let killer, me. man. That's beautiful. I love it. But uh, like to me, I'm like, who has enough energy to pull off a hoax like this? I'm worried about my kid, my, my, my kids and my life. I and all look at other people. I feel the same way about people who are like out like, you know, protesting against like abortion clinics and things like that. I'm like, bro, go hang with your family that's with you right (laughs) now. Like you don't have other stuff to do. Like I look at other people, I'm like, how do you have the energy? My kids aren't making you tired. Exactly. They're making me tired as hell. I feel feel bad for this guy. I feel like the Falcons to make it right, Matt, they should just give him a tryout. Jeremy, let, him like, sprint, they, let him do the forty. Do yeah. Do I don't even know what position he plays. Let him do some stuff. D back. He's a D back. So, he's a D back. Yeah. But like, if you're the Falcons and in a PR move, like, what does it hurt to give this guy a chance to try? Oh, the all Jacksonville wants. Jaguars brought Tim Tebow back. Exactly. Right. That's the same thing. Same, same thing. But yeah. do a good. You know, perform a good PR move for you. Like the Falcons, the door is open for you to. You know, like I said, the fly is open. Now let's Fly's go. Open.
1: That was my first thought. The Falcons should absolutely, even if he's got no chance of making the NFL, Let run, him, him through the, run him through the paces. First
0: Put of all, on a practice he, jersey. He, he did play college football, so he right. is good right. enough to actually not look like an idiot out there. And, right. you know, you'll just say, hey, man, and you just bring him in like, uh, you know, like they do in hard knocks. Bring your playbook. Have him sit down and say, look, these are your times. And and anytime time they, they say fit. get your playbook coming for a meeting, you know, it's like it's I'm out. out. I'm over. I'm, I'm done. It, done. You're done. I'm done. Playbook's right, never well. good. Exactly. Uh, All right. Uh, Basketball Hall of Fame inductions. Lots of talk about Ben Wallace not deserving to be on the list. I'd love to hear your thought about that. Uh, I mean, that's... Very torn. Very, very very torn. Right? I mean, yes, he was a defensive menace, but I mean... I I like the idea of
1: rewarding defense. Um, You know, Dennis Rodman kind of opened that door, Mm -hmm, I think, for a lot of future players. Uh, The difference to me is that... You know ben wallace won a title uh -hmm. as part of an ensemble cast he was an important piece to that that group Rodman won multiple titles with different teams to me that's sort of a different class uh, of player um someday dwight howard's going to be in the hall of fame largely because of his defense but dwight howard was also he's not a great scorer but he he put up enough numbers to an all-star appearances to Mm -hmm. justify the total resume I don't know that Ben Wallace falls into that category. Um, I I love the fact that they're paying attention to defense. Mm -hmm. I I don't know that if you're basically that type of specialist, um, if that does it for me.
0: So, I mean, Gary Payton was a defense, the glove. His nickname was the glove. He was a defensive specialist, but he could also score. Yeah, well,
1: that's where I say I I quibble with specialist because he was an
0: all-star and he could
1: post you up and he could, Put 30 or 40 on that's ben right wallace was, was never going to do that
0: right. he was never going to do that it's it's fascinating because you say to yourself and you got to go back to this sort of amorphous thing that we judge for the which is how dominant was this person you talk about dwight howard i can't tell you how many times how many all-star appearances he had i just can't but i can tell you for a, a long you get a lot but for a long period of time he was the most dominant center when he was playing. Like he was just a dominant dude who was on the court and he was the guy in every single game he was in. It's like, you know, when you think about even in baseball, like baseball, yeah, I Clayton Kershaw will never get to 300 wins. But for a seven, eight, nine year period, he was the best pitcher in baseball. And, and right. I think right. when you think Hall of Fame, you have to be like, this was the guy for this team. This was the guy. This was the go-to guy when the crunch when the game was in crunch time. He was the go-to guy when they needed a play. He was the guy when they needed a spark. He was the guy. I don't know if you can say that about Ben Wallace about the on those Pistons teams. I would say Tayshaun Prince more than him. I would say Chauncey Billups. Chauncey Billups. Yeah. Chauncey Billups. Yeah.
1: Well, it's you know, I think of greatness when I think of Hall of Fame. I think of great players and again dominant players. I'm not discounting the idea that you could dominate games defensively, right? The way Dikembe Mutombo is now in the Hall of Fame did, the way Dennis Rodman could do, the way Rudy Gobert does now in Utah. Yeah. yeah. Um, ben Wallace was a great defensive player. I don't feel like he dominated that many games as good as he was. Uh, it's it's a borderline thing to me. I, I don't know. I you know, I, I guess it costs us nothing to err on the side of inclusion. Sure. Um, but does he feel like a Hall of Famer? Mm, yeah, I don't know. But
0: Bruce Bowen in.
1: Right. Well, I, I thought of Bruce Bowen. I and mean, Bruce Bowen wasn't, you know, he was a great individual defender. But in the same sort of class of defender in that he wasn't much of an offensive threat. Um, right. But, so, yeah, you open up the door to, Bruce Bowen was never a defensive player of the year. So he doesn't have those sorts of credentials. But you opened up the door to, to I don't know
0: who else, a few other guys, yeah. I guess. Well, you do say to yourself, how does the other team game plan for this guy? Like, do right. they is that the number one thing as the coach is drawing it up, being like, Look, man, and and Matumbo and Gobert are guys you gotta say, look, when you are around the rim, you gotta watch out for this guy. He's a rim protector. Absolutely. He, he is it's it's gonna change the way you play the game. So like you said earlier in this podcast, Gobert, you gotta get him out, put him on skates farther from the from the basket. So you have to plan the pick and roll stuff to pull him away from the rim. So it literally changes the way you play the game.
1: Not only that, but the numbers suggest you've got to get him out of the game to beat Utah because they give up on a on a per 100 possession basis, which is roughly what an NBA game amounts to. They give up 11 more points when he's off the floor than when he's on the floor. That
0: is wow. an enormous number. Huge. Does a guy like Pau Gasol get into the Hall of Fame? Yes, that's Yes, you think he does? Yeah, that's a, that's a no-brainer.
1: Um, I believe he was Rookie of the Year, multiple All-Stars, a couple of NBA titles, titles, and you factor in his international career, and that's that's no question that Pau Gasol will be a Hall of Famer. Same with Mondo Ginobili, yeah, will be in the course. Hall of Fame of because of the Olympic gold medal. Not yeah. only the work with, with the Spurs, but the Olympic gold medal and uh, all the... the you know the great argentina teams he was on so they
0: do take a look at that internet it's fascinating and awesome well you're looking at, like- it's
1: not the nba hall of fame it's the basketball hall of fame so oh, see there you go there are there are specific categories and committees not that we know who any of these people are mm-hmm. but uh, there are committees that specifically mm-hmm. look at international players specifically look at historical players um there's a women's committee there's uh i can't remember all of them yeah but there are a bunch of specific committees but you know, it's a basketball hall of fame. It's not the NBA hall of fame.
0: That's how about how about Weber and Rose uh, patching things up a little bit? Are we are we going to see a Fab Five reunion next year with Joanne? I, I, I think mean, you will. Now, where's Ray Jackson? Ray Jackson. Somebody,
1: somebody find me Ray Jackson. Ray, Ray Jackson, Jackson is, coaching.
0: is he's coaching. coaching and he's like helping like youth at risk. That entire group, like Jimmy King, is doing. Sol- he's got a solar power energy company in Texas. Is I'm that able- true? I didn't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah they're yeah, he's all in renewable doing energy. renewable energy. They're all doing. All the things that you thought they were, everybody's like they're thugs. They're this. No, they're all like Jalen is one of the best uh, personalities in all of sports, and Weber I think does a fantastic job calling games. Like I think Weber will end up like yeah somewhere else doing. He should keep doing basketball. He's phenomenal. Yeah, I I love listening to him. Love. Uh, I I covered Ray Jackson of the CBA by the way. Yeah. With the
1: Grand Rapids Hoops. There There you go.
0: go. Grand Rapids, Michigan. Nothing bad. And Jalen
1: is a great guy. I worked with Jalen. I did. I probably did Jalen. Well, I know I did Jalen's early TV years at ESPN way back when. Phenomenal. He he
0: started off good, but he's gotten really, really. I just love how honest he, again, you sort of see, and I know you work with a lot of guys. What works in a lot of these scenarios is, is sort of, Barkley is honest and he says what is on his mind not mm-hmm. to not to get a rise out of people. He's he's literally just saying this is the way I feel about this situation. There's a mm-hmm. genuine authenticity. And I would say to anybody, go back and watch Jalen Rose breakdown on Mother's Day, talking about his mom and his grandma. His mom just passed away. And yep. that is something that. Athletes never want to show that they're weak. They never want to show, they never cry. They never want to show that they are love something so much that it hurts them. And here he was just being 100% genuine and authentic. And I think that comes through with a guy like Jalen.
1: Well, we're going to veer way off course, but I, I always tell when young people ask about what it takes to make it on TV, to make it in this business, authenticity is the thing that comes back to me over and over again, because all of my favorite people on TV, the ones I've met are most like themselves off camera. Yeah. You know, there, there's, a, there's a certain amplification you have to do for TV. Um, but basically the folks that I know who I really respect and really like on screen are a lot like themselves off the screen. And, I'm, and now I'm thinking of Kenny Main who's, yeah. who's leaving ESPN. Kenny yeah. is genuinely quirky. Mm-hmm. Um, he's slightly subversive and mm-hmm. he is exactly the human you see doing Center or those commercials or whatever it is he's doing. And that always, to me, works the best because viewers, whether they can put their finger on it or not, can generally snip out the fake. Right. It, they, they, uh, they can tell that it's absolutely. an act of some sort, that there's right. some sort of artifice going on.
0: That's right. It's fu- so funny because in comedy, it's the same thing, stand-up comedy. The closer you are to the person that you are when you're funny with your friends and hanging out and whatnot, the closer you are to revealing that on stage where it's not an artifice of some sort, the better it is. That's what we're all trying to achieve is get to that point at which hey, this is how I'm funny when I'm we lying in it. bed with my wife. This is how I'm funny or, or right. when, I'm... When, we, when we're on stage. we were on stage last night and... In, in a setup where we were at the comedy store and in a setup to a bit, I was just talking about the truth of how I feel when I'm constantly telling my son to get off of his game to, to stop playing Fortnite and how it makes me feel like I'm not a cool person when I'm like, wait, I should have been. the. I never imagined myself being a naggy person like begging someone to get off of a game when all i do is play game i mean my life is a game i mean we do stand-up comedy we're out of this world but like now i gotta be this like bad like lame dude and i hate it so much and just saying that and like having the audience connect with that concept that's not even a joke that's the setup that's the premise of a bit but that's the truth and when you put that truth out there and in what you're doing and even if it's just a nugget of it in there and you can see it you don't have to be the 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 athlete saying it we we see it in you and that's why we love you so much i think it's i, there. I can
1: totally relate to that fortnight thing by the way of oh, course man. right how old's your kid bane of, of my existence my well, I have a 17 year old a 12 year old and a nine year old the yep. 12 and 9 like the
0: Fortnite. yep that's um, what i'm talking about yeah
1: it, I'll, I'll leave it at this you know even whether you you love or hate me as a broadcaster i figured out a long time ago that i'm not like hype guy I'm not big catchphrase guy I'm not yelling at the screen guy that doesn't work for me I nope. can't do that that feels fake and it and it would make me miserable so I've got to do what I think is best and try to give things context and you know I, I'm fairly level about it and um,
0: that's what's worked for me
1: for the most part
0: I feel but like you it, it feels like in the same sort of area as like an Ernie Johnson who is like tells it like it is is very confident in who he is as a human being and where he yeah. is in the in So the, the knowledge world. is there, the knowledge is there, the the sort of the ability to draw out of people their opinions and their thoughts while at the same time contributing to the conversation. It's a fine line. It's almost like what we say is like, you know, the brilliance of the Reiner-Brooks relationship was, was Carl Reiner. Call Reiner as the straight man, pulling mm-hmm. the nuggets of gold out of Mel Brooks. The more like, Reiner sold it, the better Brooks was. The more yeah. you sell it, the better the guys who say that. You know, again, I think Ernie Johnson does that beautifully. So you, yeah, make- he does.
1: Yeah, the, the idea is to make everyone else look their best. Um, whether point, you, point no what no matter what you know, you're trying to add context to their opinions because those are the guys who played or coached, whatever the case may be. You're there to set them up and hopefully get the best out of them and then wrap it up for the folks at home with whatever else whatever gaps need to be filled in
0: right on i love it all right last let's go to the last one uh if you don't think sports can affect a city's economy i'm going to say think again because supposedly i don't know if you saw this it's not confirmed but the new ceo of amazon andy jassy who's taken over for bezos there's a rumor I mean, we know now that they're not going to be moving their HQ to a five billion dollar project to Philly, and the rumor is because he's a huge Giants fan. Oh, I love that. I mean, New Giant. Th- that come on, you come on. Like so, Philly fans, the Eagles have screwed Philadelphia again how (laughs) come on i guess he didn't want his employees having batteries thrown at him i don't know why do you do that (laughs) well maybe you don't want to get booed on the floor i don't know listen (laughs) that could be it so now i'm feeling like the 76ers have to win just to sort of clear away all this anti you know amazon's not coming to town we got we need to give our people something here i mean is amazon going
1: anywhere they were supposed to come here too
0: Right. I mean, yes, they I don't know where they've decided to go, but I, I I just know I love that it's a decision made by someone who's like I'm a Giants fan. That and that that dumpster fire of a of a of a conference, you know, of a league over there, the uh, NFC East, East over there is just absolutely terrible every single year. You know, sports
1: rivalries bring out the absolute worst in all of us. <laughs> yes. You yes. you you and I and everyone else will do the most petty things. Uh, to get back to, at,
0: the, at the rival. Just
1: to slight the rival. And yep. to this day, I went to the University of Missouri. Our big mm-hmm. rival was Kansas. Yep. We're not even in the same conference anymore and haven't no. been for like 10 years now. Um, but I muttered something under my breath the other day with my wife out because we saw some guy in a Kansas t shirt. Yep. What, what is that?
0: I don't yeah. know the guy. I've got like nothing you- against this guy. No, but you you respect Danny Manning, but you hate what he did to you guys in the late 80s. You know? When what I, I mean? was in school. When I was in school, I saw okay, anybody so play. Danny Manning, Stacey King. If you'll I mean, we'll never was, forget when Mizzou I like I, maybe you'll remember this game. When Mizzou was playing Oklahoma, I think it was the Stacey King team and and Billy Tubbs. I know Tubs exactly was, where you're going. So Billy Jay Tubs, and I were going Jay and I were going to Hebrew school. I remember like we're listening to it and we're being driven to Hebrew school. Mizzou's up by like 17 and they're throwing these like fans on the floor or something like that like 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 yep. hand fans on the floor and billy tubbs gets on the microphone and says hey stop, stop. throwing fans on the floor and pause no matter how bad the officiating is yeah, it's goes crazy <laughs> oklahoma, comes, oklahoma back comes back and, and wins, and wins the goddamn game oh yep. my god yep. it just, no that's I, I, knew ex-
1: I knew exactly where you were going with that and when i was in school the Big 8, as it was back then, sure. it was just incredible basketball-wise. And Unreal. I've worked with Stacey King over the years, and I told him this. He was the best college player I ever saw in person. He Unreal. was a, amazing. Uh, and he played with Mookie Blaylock back yep. then. But I saw yep. Danny Manning, and I saw Mitch Richmond, and I yep. saw... A guy named Victor Alexander, who was great at Iowa State, played in the NBA for a while. Those guys all played through. In addition to the Mizzou guys who played in the NBA, Anthony Peeler and Doug Smith and some others. Yep. But at least at least three and probably four of the Big 8 schools were number one in the country while I was in school. I mean, that's how good the league was. Derek Chivas. Derek Chivas. Ban-
0: Band-Aid court. You got to love it. Band-Aid, Band-aid, court. Band-aid man. Still Band-aid the all-time court. leading scorer at Mizzou. Is Greg he really? Church. Greg Church, yeah. the most nondescript big guy ever. I have one quick story just about this, is that I was with some friends of mine in St. Louis, back in St. Louis for a brief period, and I was hanging with a couple of friends from high school, and the husband of one of our friends said, you know who I know, who I just know through like their kids and whatnot? Steve Stepanovich. Steve Oh yeah. Six ele- 6'11 played for the Pacers, played for Dismet High School right across the highway from yep. where we were and played at Mizzou with the John Sunvold on those great teams in in the early 80s. Prince Bridges, Moon Prince McCrary. Bridges, Moon McCrary, yep. those guys. Okay. So and played for and played for those great teams. And they're like Steve Stepanovich, great guy, weird as all get out. Just the weirdest guy <laughs> ever. He was riding like a 35-year-old 10-speed bike. And my our friend's husband was like, had an extra ticket to the Cardinals game that he was trying to unload. And he saw Steve he driving up, he was gonna drive. He saw Steve and Clayton and he said on his bike, he said, Steve, I got an extra ticket for the Cardinals game. You wanna come? He's like, yeah, sure. He's wearing like hiking boots. He's 6'11 wearing <laughs> yeah. hiking boots on a 35 year old 10 speed bicycle. And so my friend goes down to the game with and and he he shows up like 3 innings in he is drenched in sweat and you can't <laughs> not you're 6'11" he's right. huge He's drenched in sweat and he sits down right next to him and like just hangs out with him the whole time. He said, this is just, it was so weird. And of course, everyone's coming up to him because yeah. they all know him and he's so like, you know, a recognizable dude. Like I wouldn't be able to pick John Sonvold out of a lineup right now. But you know, Steepo, everybody knows Stepo. but he just said it was amazing. So I, I, I harken back to those days of the, of the Mizzou, the great Mizzou teams of the eighties and Raycon Sports and Jay Randolph. And
1: Raycon, all, yeah, nice. Stepo right. and Sunbold were both all Americans so a lot of your audience is not going to remember any of this but those guys yeah. were great oh, I yeah, went to great. I went to Norm Stewart's basketball camp two years when I was like 13 and 14 maybe and they were both there Steepo was there and Sunbold was there and to this day Sunbold did the most amazing shooting exhibition I have ever personally seen He he apparently he grew up in a, a driveway with the hoop on the house and so it's a fairly narrow court space for him to shoot. So he stood in front of the rim, like a foot in front of the rim, flipped the ball up and in, and he would catch it and then take a step back. And he would continue doing that. So he's telling this
0: story at a gym. He didn't nick the rim until yeah. he reached half, half court. Wow. What? He's, he was like, to me, he was kind of like our version of Mark Price like he never was Mark yeah. Price in the league. He was okay in the league. He wasn't bad. But he, he had was, a uh, he had a three-point percentage record in the NBA for a while, for a for a season. He just was that guy, those pure shooters going back to Steph Curry. The just the ball goes in differently. Like the yeah. ball comes Steph Curry shoots it and the ball comes through the net and bounces towards half court in a way that it doesn't for other people and Sunvold was one of those guys too.
1: If he'd played with the three-point line, he'd probably be the the all-time leading scorer. There you go. You heard it from Matt
0: Weiner. All right, Matt Weiner, thank you for joining us. Good luck in all the playoff coverage. We're going to be watching you and enjoying you on NBA TV. Thanks so much for taking the time with us.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I hope you guys are uh, staying well and and maybe getting out of your bedrooms.
0: We are, even though I'm in in a bedroom right now. All right, we'll be right back (laughs) with more View from the Cheap Seats right after this. Matt Weiner, everybody, unbelievable. That guy, I could talk to him forever, Jay. He's so great. And I don't just love him because he's from St. Louis. And I don't yeah. just love him because he went to Mizzou. He's a Missouri guy. Uh, I love him because I've always been a fan of his. Ever since he was on ESPN and beyond, he gives such great insights. And we did talk a lot about authenticity. That's an authentic dude, and which is so great. Speaking of authentic dudes, we got a voicemail. Got to play it for you right now.
2: Jason and Randy. Yeah, what is up, guys? It's your good friend, Academy Award-winning actor and provocateur, Nicolas Cage. Guys, word on the street here in the sexy, sultry streets of Las Vegas is that the uh, another former, t- another team that is from uh, the town of Oaktown, A.K.A. Oakland, A.K.A. Oaktown 357. Let's get loose. Um, You know, we took the Raiders from Oakland and brought them to the promised land of Vegas. I'm told that the Oakland A's, the baseball team, is looking for a new home. And guys, I'd like to propose the Las Vegas Athletics. Guys, what better way for, um, what better opportunity for a baseball team than to come and play their games in the summer in the middle of a desert? Guys... Amazing open air, 140 degree temperatures while you're wearing shirts, uh, where you're wearing pants and polyester tops and hats, guys. This would be amazing. We're talking desert. Uh, desert field. We're not going to have any grass. It's going to be all desert dirt. We're talking poker games in right field. We're talking pole dancers um, on, on the, uh, the, the the foul pole. It's going to be pole dancers because you know we bring it in Vegas. And guess what? I am willing to donate some of my dinosaur bones to be Foul pulls, guys. This has just got to happen. In fact, I'm going to make another proposition because I throw money away because I'm Nick Cage. Get this. Change the team name to the Las Vegas comps because every single seat to a Las Vegas comp baseball game is comped by Nicholas Cage. Make it happen. And, guys, every seventh game, Vince Neal and I will fight in the middle of the seventh inning stretch. Take me out to the motherfucking ball game
0: okay guys there's a show that is how we do everybody uh have a great weekend enjoy the sports you're watching we love doing this show for you we really really do i think we're thinking about doing maybe a live cheap seats uh potentially in um july July, which would be really fun we'll let you know about that uh tomorrow night we're doing the live dumb people town at nowhere comedy club there's still some tickets left for that the doughboys Incredible podcast. Chris Thiele from Nickel Creek is going to play our theme song on Mandolin. If you haven't got your tickets, go to NowhereComedyClub.com. Get those tickets. We'll see you tomorrow night, 6.30 p.m. West Coast time, 9.30 Eastern. Live, Dumb People Town. Have a great weekend. That's what you're doing on Saturday night. Watch the sports. Enjoy your kids. Get them vaxxed. And uh, we'll see you next week.